the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right at the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that doesn't use Christmas cliches just to make you feel festive. So on episode 201, you can expect... Jingle bells. Can wanderers silence the Pompey chimes? Take the decks down. John's heading for the exit door in January. Christmas mud. Is the training ground really that bad? And Gold King Wenselessless, 106 and counting for the net bulging whites. Is that a lump of coal in your stocking or are you just happy to see us? Welcome to the Buff Podcast. Just present at the manor isn't looking so rosy. Injuries and suspension produced the topsy-turvy team against Bolton. But striker Alex Dyer playing from fullback nearly made the day. It was never going to be Oxford's day. The ref had no Christmas spirit. He wouldn't give United a penalty as Penny went rolling in the box. Dennis Smith was on the touchline coaching, but the message didn't get through as Bolton went and took the lead through Tony Kelly. Three minutes later, it was all over. United gift wrap this one for Alan Thompson. Talk about the season of goodwill. 2-0 to Bolton. Right, a little quick reminder for those looking for a last-minute festive gift for the Bolton Wanderers fan in their life. We've got a December flash sale going on right now, which gives you three months of subscription to the Bolton News for just three quid. That is unlimited articles, video, audio, access to all the back catalogue of podcasts and features that we've done exclusively for subscribers for a couple of years now. And best of all, no pop-up ads on the website. I've had a few people complaining about them recently. The easiest way to get rid of all that is simply to subscribe to the Bolton News. And also, it's a pretty decent Christmas gift as well. Takes you through January window. All that should be great. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe or follow the podcast notes wherever you are listening to us. Felice Navi Daddy Bodvarsen. Yeah, I said it. And now time to introduce my co-host and a man who has spent the last week wrapping pigs in blankets because he thought they looked a bit cold. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, protect the Narmid. The Narmid pig? Yeah. The uh, Norpig. my time. The Norpig. The Normid pig. Oh, you noob. Yeah. You Sherpa Van Trophy noob. <laughs> yeah, before my time. We need to bring something back. What can we have? People think about what inflatables can Bolton have. Oh, that could get a bit dangerous. An, an update yet. Yeah. <laughs> Steady on. Uh, an updated inflatable. It's a good shout, actually, because in the 90s, in, like inflatables were all the thing. City used to have the uh, the bananas. Uh, Grimsby Town, I used to live with a guy who supported Grimsby Town, and he had like inflatable haddock everywhere. <laughs> he wouldn't go. He wouldn't leave the house without having an inflatable haddock. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's about time inflatables came back. I, I mean, I think probably that Liverpool beach ball ruined it for inflatables when they scored the goal. Do you remember that one? 
Yeah, I, I mean, a beach ball is one thing, but uh, a ball deflecting off an inflatable haddock would be something else. That would be amazing. It would be amazing. It would be a lovely, lovely bit of content, as they say. Um, talking about <laughs> lovely, lovely content, we've had some lovely content this week. Another two wins for Wanderers, um, albeit in the cup. And, you know... It's, it's all felt like we're just doing pre-season before Pompey this week a little bit because there's been like one eye on that Pompey game, which obviously is the important one. But then get through Harrogate, get through Port Vale. They seem to have got through relatively unscathed, but certainly got through with two wins. Fairly happy with that? Yeah, of course. It's uh, You've got to win the game. We're both at home. Mm. Uh, you'd expected us to win. We did win quite comfortably in both games. So I think... Um, yeah, I think they, they're playing so well at the moment. There's not. I thought Vale had the potential to be a bit iffy, but on the whole, yeah, I, I think they were simple enough. Um, there's only just one little blotch on, on it, isn't there? And that's that goal Harrogate scored, which was, <laughs> uh, it, you know, when it went in, it was just like, oh, so disappointing. The, the manner it went in as well, it was just such a shame. But, uh, you know, we, we're now one game into a new clean sheet record. Yeah, I mean, the Harrogate one was a strange one, because, I mean, they 5-1. It, it seems really weird to be complaining at 5-1, but the game did finish on a bit of a cold snap, if you will, because all the goals came pretty condensed around half-time. Three, Bodvarsen in the first half, which was great. Couple for Unlundaloo after the break. Great. Everybody's happy. They looked to be steaming at that point in time. Then all of a sudden, it just dropped off. And, and like you say, the, the goal that kind of came in the middle of it, which... I, I felt like it was on the cards a bit because they just, for some reason, they forgot how to pass for about three minutes before the goal, and it and it all got a bit a bit scruffy. Um, but yeah, it was it was like shock and awe around the stadium when it went in. Yeah, it was just. I mean, we've won the game five one, and give us five one in any competition, you'd take it. And it was, <laughs> you know, with our strikers, our, well, our sub strikers are scoring goals. So on paper, it was a per, it was a great game. It just wasn't quite perfect. And mm. uh, but you know, they say. We do say that um, sometimes you need to not have that record, you know, going to to because mm. it kind of distracts things a bit. Maybe it was best to let it go in a cup game, so we weren't getting to the Portsmouth game and it being like Sky going, "I've not conceded in ten games; it's a mm. record," and and building up for Portsmouth to win four 0 So, uh, yeah, maybe it was for the best. Who knows? Yes, yeah, good shout that actually because if if the goal goes in in the first half against Portsmouth and everybody's looking around like oh my god the record's gone that could potentially be more damaging than you know already being three what three nil up against against Harrogate. Um, they were three nil up though because of one man Yondari Budvarsson. You'd argue that Unlundaloo played extremely well in that first half and and put it on a plate for mm. at least one of his goals, but um, Yon, I, I mean, he's been pushing with his performances off the bench and in the cup for, for a start. Is is this his time? Is is it now time to start considering but Varsen for Adbejo or is Victor still doing enough? I think, yeah, I, it's tough. I, I like, yeah, I like Adbejo. I think he gets some unfair criticism at times, but I, I you know, at the moment, you've got to look at Bud Varsen and think he's got that, he's got just that. He's got his confidence back. He's got his touch back. Whereas just after he, you know, earlier on in the season when he came back for it and he was being uh, sort of uh, phased into the team, you could tell his touch weren't quite there and and whatever. But he's he's got that back now. So he's definitely for me, Bodvar, a fit Bodvarsson is our second best striker. His his finishing's great, and um, but 
you know, whether on on Monday he he, he I think he might keep Adebayo in. Mm. Just not to upset things a little bit. I mean, this is Ian Everett. He causes surprises all the time. Maybe he'll go, you know what? They're expecting that Adebayo is going to start. We'll stick Bod Varson in. It's you Jerome know, time. Adib- yeah. Oh, Jerome <laughs> time. Yeah. So, uh, um, so yeah, who knows? But it's he's definitely knocking on the door, isn't he? And if, if, if we, uh, I don't know, if we lose to Portsmouth, not what I want to think about that and put that out into the world. But if we do, then the the two home games we've got coming up before mm. Christmas, then maybe that'll be a, a chance for Bud Varson to, to stake his claim. The way that I look at it is, I mean, Dion Charles has done so well and obviously he's on 14 goals now. And and part of that is because of the way he's learned to play off Ida Biagio. So you, you do run the risk about changing things there and taking something out of Dion Charles's game that maybe he's he's grown accustomed to, he's used to playing alongside Biagio. I think... If I'm not wrong, it's it's every league game those two have played together. So just changing things around. And, and Bob Varsen is a great player, and I, I absolutely have a lot of respect for him. I want to see a team where he's doing well in it, if you know what I mean. But uh, yeah. I also want to make sure that the overall, the team is actually is, is winning games. And that one at Pompey, it, it, you don't, like you just said there, do you mess with a winning vibe do you do you mess with the formula to the point where it might break down and you have to change it in game i'm not sure he will no um uh, yeah i think he'd rather have a bud varson and an unlunderloo uh coming off the bench against portsmouth mm. it's time's coming but varson and i think like i said those two home games could be made for him because against you know with respect to the two teams we're playing is slightly easier opposition we'll get more chances against them so maybe it is that opportunity but um yeah, it's uh, he's he's definitely knocking on the door, and on Lundelu as well. It's shame he came off injured the other night because you know he took his two goals very well, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he was doing fantastic finishes, and uh, especially that near post one. I thought that was a, a terrific. Game. And you're starting to see obviously confidence. He's playing a big big part in the way that he's playing at the minute, and he's he feels a little bit more love potentially uh, yeah. from from the fans. And I noticed even when he went off on um, on Tuesday night against Port Vale, he had to, to kind of walk off the pitch um, straight down the tunnel. You know, there was there was a big kind of uh, warm applause from the from the people, that, and there's only two and a half thousand there against Port Vale. But for the people that were there did applaud him down the tunnel. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's starting to look like a better player. I hope this hamstring injury isn't something that keeps him out for a long time. I don't think he'll get involved in the Portsmouth game as things stand, but I haven't had any updates from the club um, as I'm sat here recording this. Um, Port Vale, on Tuesday night, he had a big moment towards the end. They were 2-0 up. The game was won. Last couple of minutes, and uh, Cameron Drone wins a penalty. Up steps a confident Dan and Lundelu and, and pops the penalty home. Um, runs away, knee slides, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, then all of a sudden the referee's assistant flags, the referee walks over. Oh, you're retaking it. Now, from what I see on the replays, I think young Zach Ashworth might have encroached. There were a couple of Pompey players as well, but there were, somebody encroached. So by the letter of the law, that is a retake. Um, I wish they'd have spotted it slightly earlier. Um, but then the second one, the keeper's about 10 yards off his line. There was still some encroaching as well, if you if you look at the replay. And uh, and he missed it. He had it saved, rather. So, and, and then, uh, then injures himself trying to get in the rebound as well. So, I mean, it's the most Bolton 
sequence of events that I've seen in some time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a very bold. Like, I, I felt sorry for Lundlu because he, he took the penalty very well. He's obviously got a style and he, um, you know, I think the... Yeah, he had, he had his style. He had his mm. what he was going to do. I don't like it, by the way. I don't like that big skip thing. That that annoys me. But go on. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure you're a traditionalist in the penalty world. Put your but, laces uh, through it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think it sort of knocked him a little bit. I mean, hindsight's great. Maybe somebody. Well, you don't know. If somebody goes up to him and says, "Well, do you, are you sure you want to take the second one?" Mm. And he misses. He could argue that they put him off. But um, you know, I think. We we lucky that the two penalties we've missed this year have been in in well this game when we two 0 up and then Dion against Solly Hull when we were I think also two 0 up or three 0 up so mm. it hasn't really mattered but yeah I think um, it's uh, the the worrying thing for me with that is I know Lundalu's confidence at the moment is kind of on a knife edge mm. and he looked like he'd got the bit between his teeth he was really confident he, he stepped up to take the penalty. Um, and he scored, and I thought, brilliant. He scored three home games in a row. He's, he's smashing it. Now he's missed and got a bit of an injury. I'm like, oh, is that going to... Hopefully it won't do. And if he is listening on Lundloo, you're doing great last few games. So <laughs> keep keep at it. But um, yeah, that's my, that's my worry is that it's going to just knock him a little bit. I'm a bit worried about the knee slide. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of me. A few people remarked on it at the time. Oh, do you... Are you are you struggling with that sort of thing? If it had, has the goal celebration contributed? Do you think? Maybe, maybe. Um, I think we're clutching at straws, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, it. However, I will say, if you are going to get injured in celebration, you want it to be for a valid goal. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a waste if not. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So the Port Vale game was pretty straightforward. Uh, Dion. Um, scoring his 14th of the season. Um, I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was a simple, uh, it, it, it does feel a bit pre-season because of the way that they've rotated the players as well. It was a very strong team that played against Port Vale, almost to the degree, I know Jones and Santos and Baxter were arrested, but it looked almost like a dress rehearsal. Um, they've obviously wanted to get as many minutes in as many different players as humanly possible over that those two games do you think they're in a good frame of mind now as they go go to Portsmouth I think they are yeah I think they're in that sort of because uh, yeah I mean they've not lost in in a while actually funnily enough um my son is two months old on Saturday and we've not lost while he's been alive so uh, <laughs> uh if, I, if I knew this was going to be the good luck charm I'd have had a kid years ago um <laughs> But uh, but yeah, um, I, I think the the worrying thing for me is with um, with Sky Games and especially when you're in Bolton's shoes and you're only on like once or twice a season. The real markers for stuff like Sky builds stuff up and then it seems to happen. Do you know, like yeah. like I think the um, the Aston Villa game when we won one nil, it was like oh Bolton a relegation, you know, and then Aston Villa were going for promotion. Um, and there's been a few others down the years as well where it, if Portsmouth were still unbeaten, I'd have gone, we'll definitely win that. Sky mm. have turned up, Bolton go, take the record. And they've now lost, whereas now it's Bolton who haven't conceded in a while in the league, haven't lost in a while in the league, and suddenly it's going to flip on its head and go, well, Bolton have a team in form, can Portsmouth knock them down? So I am a bit mm. worried about that. But mm. um, taking all 
um, that out the equation, if you look at it purely on footballing terms, then yeah, they, they should go into it with a lot of confidence. And we definitely owed a win at Fratton Park, so uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure they'll go and they'll you know they'll know what they're going to get off Portsmouth. It's not you know it's not going to be as free flowing as as what we used to, but I think Bolton turn up to. Now our mentality has changed. We turn up against teams at the top, like Oxford. Mm. That second half, we controlled the game. And I think that's the type of game it might be. We might actually surprise Portsmouth and actually real control it. I mean, I don't want to encroach too much on on headlines because that's an entirely separate section. But there are a couple of things that I wanted to talk about at the top of the show. And that's one of the one of the things Ian Everett said after the Port Vale game was that he felt his team hadn't really got enough credit for the way that they've been playing, the, the football that they've been playing, some of the goals. Um, particularly looking at uh, the one they scored second half on, uh, on Tuesday night. Um, now, a few people, I think, the instant reaction from social media is, is predictably negative. Uh, but I do, I do get where he's coming from it, with it, because I think they are now scoring goals of such high quality on a regular basis that it's you, you're kind of getting a bit blasé to it. Even, even I feel like I'm getting a bit blasé to it. We were having a conversation the other day um, about Mark Davis's famous goal if you remember the one against Blackpool, which yeah. gets in there in every single year as being one of the best team goals that Bolton has scored in, in God knows how long. But I think if you put that goal alongside a lot of the ones that they're scoring at the moment, it, it compares extremely favourably. I think a lot of the ones that they're scoring, you know, they're on par. They're on par. I know it's not Premier League um, and, and, and doesn't have the kind of exposure that that goal did at the time. But I think they are, in terms of team goals... They're scoring some absolute blinders, and and maybe maybe there's a bit of of Ian Ever or a bit of his players that are thinking, hang on a second, we should be, uh, you know, we should be getting the the Barcelona treatment here. Yeah, I mean that second goal the other night against Port Vale, I thought was brilliant, mm. and the way the way Mendes Gomez finished it as well was fantastic because we've been so used to players getting in that position and. Um, you know, and, and panicking and thinking too much about it, and he's drilled it in at the near post, and Charles is. Like Dion Charles, I've you know what I've given him stick for not getting mm. enough assists, and he's got a, he's got a few in the last few weeks. So um, credit to him, and I thought he's he's threw ball to Mendes Gomez was brilliant. So uh, yeah, I agree with that, and I think that um, I, I think you know on social media these Twitter accounts it, it pops up every now and again a well worked Bolton goal, and it gets liked and whatever. But I think on the the whole, yeah, no one is talking about how great this Bolton team play football because if we carry on the way we're going and get 100 points for me and listen I I can't say that I'm an expert in watching League One teams over the years but you you must put Bolton down as one of the best League One teams ever because of the way they play football and it's it's entertaining Ooh, good blammy <laughs> Sorry, I'm just uh, I'm just imagining that clip being thrown back at me uh, on on Monday night after the final whistle by about ten thousand Pompey fans. Ouch! You ouch, know what? Ouch. Pompey fans ignore me. I'm just trying to get onto the next series of Born to Be a Wanderer because I noticed <laughs> other podcasts are in the trailer, but not my voice isn't on. Oh, oh dear! Oh dear! Yeah, very interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that we need the credit at the minute. I think it just just continue and then at the end of it I think especially if they were to, to get to that sort of uh, number of points we can definitely have that discussion at the time um, talking about the manager 
there are a couple of championship jobs going at the minute, uh, mm. Sunderland and Swansea. Now, I don't... I, I, I'm not one of these guys that looks at bookies' odds or kind of tries to, to stir things up. Unless I've heard anything absolutely concrete, I'm not going to write a story just based on speculation. It's not really the way I work. Um, however, I am happy to to discuss it here on the podcast. As a supporter, when you see these sort of jobs come up, is there a little bit of you that thinks, I hope not? Well, yeah, um, you know, yeah, I, I would hate seeing Everett leave. Personally, I'm not a... I know there's some people that will... Some people who will... Uh, like the other day when... Because it was late at night, wasn't it, where Swansea yeah. and Sunderland announced it. And then for the next day, you've got a mixture of people who are then bantering with Sunderland and Swansea fans who have said, oh, why not Ian Everett? And then by the end of that day, people have convinced themselves that he's going. Mm. I'm not in that camp. I'm not like... A, you know, sat refreshing social media to see if there's any updates. But I do also understand, despite the manager saying, you know, I want to get Bolton in the championship and saying, I want to be the first manager to get a team promoted from League Two to the Premier League and all of that. I also accept that at some point there's going to be a job that comes up and he looks and goes, I fancy that. Mm. Um, you know, I... There's not many teams, you know, I, I think, whereas, say, with Coyle and Bolton, you looked and thought, oh, yeah, despite it being as, in quotations, a sideward step at the time, um, he was going to end up at Bolton. And there's not a club that I think, Ian, ever, you go, oh, well, if that job comes up, he's definitely going to go. But, you know, like that Sunderland job, the ninth in the league, it's a great job for mm. someone. If they went to ever, I could imagine he'd go, oh, it's tempting but at the same time, he's not. I don't, he's not a. He's not daft. I think he knows that, you know. And it's been proven at his other clubs, including Bolton, that it takes time for his style of play to be implemented. And if you're starting in uh, December, it might be. You know, you've only then got a month to bring in players. It might then get to March before it's actually coming off mm. by which time you look at Sunderland could be like 16th and the fans want you out so maybe he understands that as well but I know he, he has got a loyalty to Bolton but again what is loyalty in football so uh, I'm sure it'll come up I'm not worried about Swansea or Sunderland but um, right now but you know if that Sunderland job came up in the early summer then I would maybe be a little bit worried if his, his name was being branded about and that noise you heard was uh, Ian Everett's agent <laughs> asking me to uh, <laughs> keep talking, keep talking. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think, like you say, I think he knows he's done some good thing at the minute. I think Bolton are heading in the right direction. And, and I think the type of football that he plays has only just really got to the stage where he can be happy about it. And, and I know he keeps saying about there being, uh, you know, improvements to be made and there to be extra levels to be reached. But actually... It's baked in now. It's it's where he needs it to be, um, which is why I am quite confident about this season. Um, a last little note before we head into headlines, and that's the trailer you mentioned there for Born to Be a Wanderer parts three and four. Now, um, we waited a long time for Grand Theft Auto uh, <laughs> to make a new one. I mean, this has been I can, I can barely remember the one. Did did the last one have David Jack in it? I can't remember. It was it was a long time ago that, uh, that you know the first what? ones. The, the last one, the first episode. Was it the first or the second? I think it was the first. The first episode came out on the morning 
I got married, and in wow. June I have my third wedding anniversary. So that's how long it was. There we go. Two and a half years. It's uh, it does seem a long, long time. It's still shot in the same kind of stylized, um, semi-dark kind of very distinctive way. Um, we've seen a couple of little bits. There's a bit of Sharon. There's a bit of Phil Mason talking about the community, and there's a bit of, uh, like you say, a couple of uh, overspills from the podcast and Ian Everett talking about adversity and all that kind of thing all the tropes are there from the first one um i can tell you that i'm not in this one or i don't think i'm in this one so we shall see um and i, and I don't know about dearden but i don't remember him getting all kitted up and putting pants on and things like that like you'd need to do for, <laughs> for getting on, on the film um but it's interesting because it's going to be a really interesting kind of time frame isn't it obviously it's the season where it all went well Hopefully there'll be a bit of Wembley in there behind the scenes. And, uh, yeah, quite looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, you know, they're always nice, those sort of things. I, I enjoy the... Um, I enjoy when it, they do it for other clubs like the Arsenals and mm. Cities and Newcastles and whatever. So I, I do... It's it's special when it is Bolton Wanderers. Um, but then you've got to remember it's done in-house. So uh -huh. it's not like uh, Amazon of... of you know, can do whatever they want. It is done in house, so it is a very pro Bolton Wanderers. Um, you know, they'll still let you see what what you need yeah. to see. Yeah. Um, well, but to no, quote, quote nice. Meatloaf, you've taken the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, it's it's nice though. It's nice to see that side of of the players because I think we're a lot closer now. For me, since since I mean, it's part of the times. It's not just because Sharon Britton's coming, but I think since the the COVID season. Uh, that team that got promoted and then which is the first episode of Born to be a Wanderer until this one I feel you've never been even though some people have affinity to the like my first team I watched was the 100 points uh, sorry 98 points 100 goals team the last one at Burnden you feel affinity to that and when you see John McGinley around the place and whatever but I think I've never feel felt as much uh, closeness to the team we've got now and that's because really you see more of them i guess yeah i mean they're, they're probably the most filmed and exposed team that, that there has been i mean back in the colin todd days of course you had whatever gordon wrote in the in the bolton evening news and then maybe a an odd little snippet here and there on sky but really there wasn't this the kind of same same exposure that you get nowadays in football so and to to think of a, a an in-house uh documentary I mean, I'm not sure you can call it a documentary. So it's it's basically a fluff piece, isn't it? But it's one that I'm sure will be thoroughly entertaining. Um, I, I I do like to see, and th and there were a couple of fragments in the first one where they just get behind the veneer a little bit and maybe try and dig a little bit and and show a little bit more of the underbelly of the club because that's the kind of stuff that I see quite regularly and 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 try and convey, but. It doesn't always go well. I, I, you know, it, sometimes it's organised chaos. Um, it isn't always easy to to agree with everything and, and all that kind of You know, everybody's not always on the same page. There are arguments and fallouts and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, it would be lovely. I, I'd love for that to eventually become the case where they could actually, you know, shine that light and, and, and bring that in. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe Amazon are listening. Um I am available for voiceover work, by the way. Um, <laughs> and now, this week's headlines. News. 
we've just spoke about how important Portsmouth is, and maybe we should delete what we've been talking about because uh, Ian Ever <laughs> has said he's wary of building up the Pompey game too much. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, he's, he's looking at it from a uh, the player's point of view and trying to keep things like just any other game. But I mean, it's on TV. It's a it's the only game that night. It's first v second in the league. It's a massive game, isn't it? Absolutely. I don't think you can really disguise that too much. One of the things he did say, which I totally agree with, is that you have to be wary not to consider this to be the be-all and end-all. There is a, a universe where Bolton can lose this game, and I don't want them to, and touch wood, they don't. Uh, but there's, they can lose this game and still go up with plenty to spare. And, you know, the, this run, as you talked about before, has, has gone on for a long time now with we're getting used to just seeing them win games. Um, there will be a time where they don't. It will happen somehow. It happened to the, the great Colin Todd teams. It happened to the great uh, Phil Parkinson promotion teams. You have little spells and maybe they, maybe they are, do you want? But who, I hope this goes on for as long as humanly possible. I think it is as tough a test as they're going to get in this league. But having gone to Oxford, which you would argue is another one of the toughest ones and seeing them play as well as they did I feel very very much more confident than I did I think if you'd have gone back six weeks eight weeks maybe to the start of this run and said these two games here you're going to be relatively comfortable going to I would have said no chance I'll be a bag of nerves and, and be you know willing them on to do something but not expecting anything Actually, I was disappointed a little bit that they didn't beat Oxford, and I know the lads were as well. Um, and with Pompey, I think they are well capable of going and getting a result. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think um, I, I said in recent weeks, I don't. There's we go into each game now, and I'm I'm not you know there's not not part of me that thinks oh we could get beat here. Like obviously Portsmouth, you do feel that, but like there's the two home games after it. I, there's not one part of me that thinks we're going to lose, mm. and that's the the way they're playing and the confidence they've got. And I, I, I you know, I, I, I mean, I wish I'd have put a bet on us to to win the league a lot earlier uh, <laughs> than now, because I can imagine the odds are quite short now. But um, I do think that, and I think if we get a result on like on Monday, even though it's totally right, it's not the end of the world if we lose. Um, you know, we go six points behind Portsmouth, but we've got a game in hand. It's, you know, it, it's, I, I, and I still think we'll then push on and, and get promoted and, and even win the league. Um, I think we can put a massive marker down if we do get a result. And I think if we do, for me, I, I don't see us, in the words of Steven Gerrard, we don't let it slip. And I don't, I truly, you know, he did literally let it slip. Uh, and I don't see us doing it. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is a big game, and I totally understand what Ian Everett's saying, but I also agree that if we lose, even though people will be upset, it's not the end of the world. And I think there's something about Portsmouth for me that even though credit to them, coming back from that Blackpool defeat uh, to beating Northampton last weekend was a, a good result, and that made me think, oh, right, they have got something about them. I still think that we have just got that a bit more. I think we are dominating games. We're dominating, um, you know, teams in in a way more than what Portsmouth are. So that's why I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we'll be fine. Give me another headline. Uh, well, each week we get closer to January and each week we, there's something to talk about. 
in terms of transfers. And this week, it's about someone, a forgotten man, really, Declan John, um, who went to Salford on loan. They seem keen to keep him and Bolton seem keen to let him go. So I think we've probably seen the last of him. I think so. I think so. And, uh, you know, it was nice to hear Ian ever talk about the, the part he played in kind of his journey as, as Bolton manager. And I think it's important to remember how good Declan John was when he first came into the club um, and helped them go on that massive run in League Two. And also, I think he had really good patches in League One as well. Um, it wasn't to everybody's taste. I think potentially as, as an attacking wing-back rather than a defensive wing-back, there were, there were little gaps there that maybe needed filling in. But I think he, uh, as a footballer, he was great to watch. Uh, scored some cracking, really important goals as well. He, he chipped in with quite a few. Um, and I'm glad to see he's doing all right at Salford. He seems, I mean, I know Salford are not doing especially well, but he seems to be among their most consistent players. He's played the vast majority of league games, which is good as well, because, you know, you want to see him stay fit and, and healthy as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he can he can continue there. Salford, if they get it right, you know, there's there's obviously scope there with all the, the attention that gets lavished upon them. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to see Deck, um, but... I don't see... Uh, just like my decks, they won't be around in January. Hey? No, and... Uh, good one. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, yeah, maybe um, it's this will be the last year that he makes an inevitable social media account uh, that does uh, Christmas... Uh, Bolton Christmas players. So last year, we'll get a deck for holes, John. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's... You know, he... It's about right. It's, it's the time he moves on. I think Declan John has been in and out of the team for the last two years, and he always manages to get back in the team. He's not someone who plays for a game. He'll get back for a few games, and people will be like, "Oh, he's he's our best fullback." But I think the fullbacks we've got in the moment are that step above. And if we get to the championship, I think there Williams and Dacus Cogley are more championship players than Declan John. So, mm. um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll go with all Bolton fans' wishes. Um, right, moving on to the next headline. And uh, this one propped up this week, and no one's really thought about this. Obviously, we've talked about Mendes Gomez being unavailable for uh, the African Cup of Nations. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that um, we could also be without two of our defenders as well, who Australia are sniffing about. Yeah, this one really came from left field, really. Uh, Mendes Gomez is confirmed, by the way, so we know for definite yeah. he is not going to be around in January for as long as uh, Guinea-Bissau are at the African Cup of Nations. Still waiting to see exactly what when they actually combine the squad and, and, and go to wherever they need to go. Um, but Australia were actually watching Gethin Jones, who was born in Australia, and, and Jack Ayodele, who qualifies for Australia, um, and is pretty Australian, let's be honest, Uh so both of those two qualify and they're playing in the uh, Asia Cup in January, same time as the African Cup of Nations, but a competition that I probably haven't heard of since back in the Chungi days um, and have completely forgotten about. So I, I hadn't even asked, but um, it turns out that uh, Rennie Mullenstein, who's the assistant manager and, and a former Manchester United coach as well, uh, was in the stands watching Geth and watching Jack Um with a view to calling them up. Now, they can't do anything about that. And I have to say, I've had a little bit of feedback on social media, which seems to 
put some sort of blame on the players or, you know, this is how much they care about promotion, which is absolute, and I, I'm going to bleep a word out here, but yeah, not, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, if, if Australia want to watch somebody, they can watch somebody, can't they? It's got nothing to do with the players and they haven't even been called up yet. Um, so it could happen. It might not happen. Who knows? Um, but at the minute, it's kind of keeping a close eye on things. I I mean, if from your point of view, Henry, you're playing League One football, um, have been for a, for a couple of seasons, and Australia come knocking saying, "Well, listen, we've got this, you know, massive tournament in Qatar. Uh, would you like to play international football alongside a, a pretty reputable country nowadays in in football terms? Um, do you take that, or do you turn around and say, "Well, no, I don't want to be called up. I want to stay here and um, and, and play for Bolton in January." Of course, yeah, you 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 play. That's why these players uh, who, you know, if they're born in England and can play for another country, uh, and let's face it, you know, they're not going to go and play for England. No. Um, you know, that's why you go, well, yeah, let's let's go and experience it. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I can under, I can, I think sometimes Bolton fans live, and and fans of other clubs as well. We all live in this bubble so that the, you know, the most important thing in the world is the football club. And you know, Geffen Jones, for example, I know he's, you know, he's someone who I can see when he retires being someone who covers Bolton Wanderers. You know, like mm. he's he'll be the unless he goes into management and coaching, he'll be the, uh, you know, be the, the co-commentator on Radio Manchester or whatever because he is, uh, you know, he's he's part of Bolton Wanderers now. Um, but, you know, if he's got an opportunity to play in the Asia Cup and, you know, Australia are a team that, that could Good make team. the mark on it. Good team. They yeah, could win it. Yeah, exactly. So why would you give that opportunity up? And, um, I, I mean, the, the irony is with especially Jones and Iredale is that some fans earlier in the season were saying they shouldn't be playing. So now <laughs> that now that they're going and playing for Australia for a month, they're going, well, actually, no, you can't do that. So it's, um, yeah, I think sometimes we live in this bubble that Bolton are the biggest thing in the world, which they are. And that's I'm not saying they're not, but uh, to some players, they're definitely not. So, uh, I, but, you know, you're going to come up with challenges. I would personally, I would rather ho I would rather this happen than Santos and Charles get sold. So yes, if this is yes. going to be the problems we have, I would much rather have this. And also, it does. It presents a problem for for you never because if if they do, or even if they're thinking about it, he now needs to think. Well, okay, I've got maybe six weeks without those two, maybe six weeks without uh, Mendes Gomez as well. So you've got to look at temporary solutions, and there are a couple of loan spots available now. So maybe that's what they did. They brought in Mbappe last season, of course, just to plug the little gap when George Johnson got his ankle injury, and I, I can see something like that happening again. It's about finding the right players now, I suppose. But I know that those conversations have taken place um, very recently and they've got a little short list of, of people that potentially could fit the bill. Um, I don't see there being mass changes in January, but I can see a, a few, potentially a few, loan additions just to make sure they're covered in that sort of place. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. I, I, we discussed this last week. I don't suspect that there's going to be big signings made and and the days of us signing six or seven plays in january are, are probably gone and um you know you don't want to disrupt the squad too much so i think yeah i think if if you've got to cover 
some areas, then that's where we'll, um, you know, that's where it'll be. It'll be the, the potentially the loans from um, local, uh, you know, like Premier League sides. Mm. And let's face it, we have some very good local Premier League sides. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, I think you're right. I think that's what will happen. And then Jones and Idea will come back in with Mendes Gomez and, and they'll be phased back in. Uh, and the the loans will be they'll you know they might have to play a minimum of ten games they'll get the ten games and then that you know will unless they're playing really well mm. then we'll we'll bring them back in but you know yeah it's I, I don't begrudge them that opportunity at all and I think uh, you know I think Bolton fans I think we should be getting behind Iredale, uh yeah but Geffen Jones as well I think it'll be nice for him after the journey he's been on um, and and how well he's thought of as a person at, at Bolton. Mm. I think we should, yeah, get behind him. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be people waking up early to watch the, the Asia Cup matches if those are involved. Oh, you just reminded me I'm going to have to wake up early. Thanks, Henry. OK, <laughs> another headline. Um, well, the uh, the groundsmen at the training ground are having to get up early because apparently <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's it's a pigsty or it's a, a mud a mud trap. Um, it's back to the day. Is it, is, is it right that we're called the trotters because we had to uh, get the ball in a, from a pig pen next to the, the pitch yeah. years and years ago so uh, apparently that's training ground pitch B um, <laughs> anyway I digress but uh, basically Neil Hart has been saying and Ian Everett saying that the training ground needs upgrading and uh, maybe we get an answer now to what the uh, the bond money is going to be used for yeah we there's been a bit of discussion hasn't it, it was all prompted from the, the stuff that Ian Everett said last week to us that they are finding it a little difficult on the, the training pitch at the minute. They upgraded the first team pitch. There is one pitch there that's absolutely top-notch, um, but they have to kind of juggle things. They can't always play on the one thing, so there, there are several other pitches that are not as uh, as good. The drainage is not as good, and obviously when it's heavy weather, when it's frost, etc., etc., it does present challenges. But I think it's all relative because Bolton's training ground is infinitely better than a lot of clubs in League One. I think it is relative. Um, a couple of people I've spoken to in football over the last couple of days have been like, are you serious? You know, I'm not fit for purpose. You want to come training down where, where we are type of thing. Um, I mean, you know, Bolton used to train at Halls Mentholiptus in Radcliffe, for Christ's sake. I mean, that was, you know, that that wasn't fit for purpose. Um, at least he didn't come out smelling a mint. Um you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a reasonable training. I mean, there, there are obviously there are structural challenges at Lostock, and I could talk all day about this about the the, the fact the land is council owned and there's uh, there's obviously surrounded by houses, which causes problems. The infrastructure of the place isn't great. The, this you know, sewage, for example, is a big silo there, which is is very difficult. There's a big housing estate that's been built on the other side now, which requires access, and that is causing issues and problems, which I might go into at a later date. Hey, there is a load of stuff uh, that you would change about the training ground. But, you know, you battle on, don't you? You battle on. I think one of the things that a lot of people have, have said is, hey, where's the bubble? That is still in insurance purgatory, as far as I can tell. Um, they got blown down a couple of years ago, of course, and was built because the club needed it to sustain Category 2 Academy. They're not in Academy 2, uh, Category 2 anymore, so they don't need the bubble, theoretically. Um, but they still would like the money back to pay for it. Um, so I think that's being kind of uh, fought out at the moment. Um, and also, I think there's probably plans 
to go back to that level as well. I think if Bolton get promotion to the championship, and I'll say this here without having really kind of investigated it that much, but I think there will be plans to upgrade the academy again, and they may well look at that again. So kind of watch this space, as Alan Stubbs once said. Um, do I think people should be saying it's not fit for purpose? No, I don't. I think that doesn't do any good for anybody. Um, I think that was a bit of a daft soundbite. Um, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, they are training perfectly well. They are. They have facilities that a lot of league club uh, clubs in the bottom two divisions would absolutely kill for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... I guess the club are looking at it as we okay one of the better training grounds in League One, but possibly then one of the worser ones in the Championship. But then you're comparing yourself to Leicester, who spent millions and on yeah. theirs. Um, but yeah, I think it's yeah. We I mean we had uh, a great one uh, before, and then obviously had to sell it. Um, and the the way the the PR with that at the time was going, oh, we had two. You know, I mm. thought. Um, it's you know we we've had to hit rock bottom we've had to go to the bottom to make our way back up and i think it's just these little things as we come back up where you're like that's great and then you're suddenly like oh actually no we need to upgrade that mm. so um yeah it's you know i i, I get you know i get it I, I i can't say i've spent much time up at the training ground probably only been once um and it seemed all right to me but i'm not a professional footballer <laughs> but um you know i think yeah, it's it's just one of these little things that as we progress up the leagues, we'll we'll start to see. Do I expect Bolton to spend a hundred million and uh, basically knock down a load of houses somewhere across Bolton um, and build this super complex? No, I don't. But if it just means improving the pitches and getting some more sustained rather than the porter cabins, then you know I guess that's what we can ask for at the but moment until we get those Premier League money. Exton, Exton was porter cabins. You know, when you're York, yeah, Exton was. It was an old um, ammunitions base or like British share space. So there was a big social club there that was kind of the only indoor bit. And then there was pretty much porter cabins like there is, probably worse than there is at the minute at, at uh, Lostock. And you had people like Euro Jorkiev who were getting changed in a porter cabin. It wasn't a luxury you know, all singing, all dancing thing. It took them 10 years probably to, to get all the money into, to invest it and to turn it around into, into the beautiful thing that it ended up being. And then of course, yes, you had to sell it on. Luckily it's built on an Indian burial ground as well. It's cursed. <laughs> uh, so Wigan found that out. Preston are now finding that out. Um, so I never want that one back, sadly. Um, but no, if, if somebody, by the way, on, who's listening here has got a really giant back garden in Bolton and doesn't mind Bolton building a super complex on there, uh, let us know. Let us know, maybe. Let's move on, though. Uh, well, the final headline this week is, it's a nice one, isn't it? We've, we've, this has come about, um, you know, the last few weeks and the, the build-up to it, and now we've finally hit it. We have got the record most goals in a calendar year, um for Bolton is I think we're on 106 at the moment after yep. Tuesday so um and bearing in mind now I think we've got five games or yep. four games left for the year so we could easily get past 110 um I, I think it's a good uh, it's just these little moments that Bolton are having where you kind of sit back and go oh wow like uh I mean don't, I don't want to put a dampener on it but when we did break that record we weren't playing the likes of Man United under 21s but we um you know, it's, it's a great record to have. No, absolutely. I, 
look, it seems like there's a different statistic every single day, doesn't there? And, uh, you know, you can be either a fan of them or you can you can let them pass you, pass you by. You know, it, it might not matter. I mean, in, in 1933, you know, Bolton were riding high. They were kind of one of the top teams in, in, the, in the land at the time. Obviously, they'd already won the, the FA Cup a few times. They, uh, they scored goals for fun against teams like, let's have a see, in 1934, they were scoring, um, actually, got, they got beat by Portsmouth, scoring against Bradford, and they were scoring against Millwall, and they were scoring loads against uh, Oldham, Oldham in the top division. Uh, actually, do you know what, 1934, I'm just reading here, it says Division 2. They were in Division 2. So, there we go. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that, you know. Because that's only a few years after the... the, the um, uh, the, the, the FA Cup wins, which does surprise me. Maybe I look into this. Maybe I'm live. Yeah. You are hearing me research uh, what happened. I, in I didn't think we got relegated until yeah. the year after Nat left. I this thought is, that was the first time. Oh, oh may, maybe Burden Aces is wrong. I don't know. But here we go. So the start of the 1934-35 season, Bolton beat United 3-1, Southampton 4-0. Uh, they get hammered 6-2 at Sheffield United. They beat Barnsley 8-0. They beat Fulham 4-0. Then they get beat 4-0 at Bradford Park Avenue. We're talking about a ridiculous era of goals here. This is just madness. Yeah, yeah. And now, this is, this is um, yeah, beat Blackpool 4-2, get beat 4-1 by West Ham. There's basically, they beat Burnley 7-0. <laughs> so basically, it was madness back then. I mean, it, it, there was... There were, there were ridiculous amounts of teams. Bolton beating United 3-0 at Old Trafford. I would like to have seen that. Um, but anyway, so I think we can pretty safely say that this record is, is quite a good one. And why not try and add tack on a few more towards the end? Yeah, um, I heard though in that time, I think the referees give a few more goals than what should have been given. They were trying to get in that radio audience. You know, they were trying to build <laughs> football up. Um before World War Two, but uh, yeah, it's um, I I mean it's uh, and this is it is that I think and this goes back to what Ian Everett said, um, you know what we talked about at the start of the podcast that I think that we we won't appreciate this team and I think it might be next year when we're in the championship and we are gonna I'd I'd love us to do what Ipswich are doing but I don't think we will we're gonna lose more games than what we we win and it might be then that people look back and go wow, we had what a year that was and what a season that was. And, mm. um, you know, because you think 2023, we, you know, you've there's a cup win in there as well. Uh, there's some massive wins, like like you said, the records are being broken every week. It seems that, you know, um, you may, you know, you mentioned Burns and Aces, BWFC stats, that page on Twitter, every after every week, it's like, oh, Bolton's got, did this for the first time and done this for the first time since this day and done this it's just yes. all these records being broken swimming in it isn't he Chris it's unbelievable yeah. all right well yes it's uh, it's been a newsy week it's been a newsy well it's been a newsy year really but we'll be bringing you um, all our retrospective stuff all the looking back stuff uh, before now and the turn of January um, but now it's time for a bit of who are you blink and you missed him who are you here today on tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Every week we bring 
Henry three fascinating facts that he has to rate on what has become known as the Dacus Cogley scale, which is the international uh, timeline really for um, fascination. Um, according to how fascinated he is, ten is incredibly fascinated. One is barely nonplussed. So there we go. Yeah. Um, I've got three players, and I'm going to give you a fascinating fact about each. This week is the letter G, and I thank Carl for sending in his three um, three people. If you do want to send these in, by the way, here is the email address. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buff mail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word at gmail.com. And sorry to the mail escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. And without further ado, here are the three players. The first one, Enzo Gambaro. Do you remember Enzo Gambaro, Henry? No. No, I didn't think you would do it. It's actually before your time. Uh, Italian defender came in on trial for Bolton under Colin Todd and Roy McFarland. I, whether he got a contract, I'm not in a million percent sure, but I, he never played a senior game, that's for sure. I, I found a few cuttings that, that said he played for AC Milan um, and he was rated at about two million quid um, and he was trying to sort out an English club. He was at the start of the Bosman era, so he's trying to sort out a Bosman move to an English club. He did get it in the end and he went to Grimsby Town. Um, okay. So, you know, uh, that's all I'm saying. AC Milan to Grimsby Town. Um, the fascinating fact, however, which I'm going to ask you to rank, Enzo Gambaro once won the World Cup with Gianluca Viali and Ciro Ferrara for Italy. Wow. And he was on trial at Bolton. And he was on trial at Bolton. It was the 1987 Military World Cup. <laughs> and it happened at a time when all Italian players had to do military service. How about that? Wow. Uh, I did. To be honest, when you said that, I was trying to wrap my brains going, well, they didn't win it in 1990 and they didn't in 94. <laughs> so when is this guy? They didn't in 98. When is this guy done it with Viali? So uh, the Military World Cup. Wow. Okay. Um, that's... I. It's interesting. Um, I'm going to stick it in the 6.5s. <laughs> stick it in the old 6.5s. Yeah, good idea. Next fascinating fact, Matt Glennon. Do you remember Matt Glennon? Goalkeeper. The name rings a bell. Yeah, he, he was... Was he... A youth goalkeeper? He was. Or... He was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he uh, he started out at Bolton. He had a very decent career, played 500 games, um, actually more than 500 games, mostly at Huddersfield and Carlisle and Halifax. He retired in 2017. Never actually played for Bolton, but he started off. Um, does a bit of radio punditry as now. Uh, but so his fascinating fact, are you ready, Henry? Yep. Matt Glennon now runs a pair of barber shops in Huddersfield, and they're called G27. Oh, I mean, these these new style names, I was expecting like, uh, I don't know, a pun on Glennon and, and hair or whatever. A, a transfer snip or like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, a, a cut above the rest with a picture of him diving to save a ball or whatever. Yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. But, yeah, but I mean, G27 is like, uh, just come on. I, I think, think that was his a... squad number. I think that was, in fairness, yeah, it seems but... to have quite. A, I've looked at his website. He's got. I mean, why do you need a website to be a hairdresser? I don't really understand that, to be absolutely honest. But they've got a yeah. website. It's very posh. 
um, and it's got loads of Bolton shirts and, and different shirts that he's played in around the uh, around the time. Very nice. Um, how fascinating though was it, Henry? I mean, you, you, it was a bit uh, of a negative reaction, to be truthful. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not. You know, it's a very modern sort of thing to go into. I think Barbara, and it's not like uh, the old school players used to open a pub. Yeah. Um, we need a few I'm more of get... them, by the way. Oh yeah, we do. Uh, six. I'm just trying to think who I need to open a pub. I mean, if David Weeter opened a pub, that would really be interesting. Yeah, Weeter and Vela. Oh, that would be fantastic. Where it's 2017 all year round. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or if Mark Beavers could jump. We could call it Weavers and just have it. Uh, yeah. Just just be. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yes, please. Uh, please, please listen, Weets. Please open your pub. Um, right, it's the third one. Ida Good Johnson. Do you remember Ida Good Johnson, Henry? His name rings a bell. Um, was he one of them? He was one of them Neil Lennon signings that never really did anything, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Well, I don't think we need to introduce him. Um, Icelandic legend. I was thinking when I was writing the notes down, is he one of the best strikers to play for Bolton since the turn of the millennium? I, I can't think of many. Yeah. Knowing the career he had, I mean, an Elka's probably the one that stands out there, yeah. but... Oh, there's, there's been some very, very good players, but I think Heidegger Johnson was bloody great. He was, um, but he, he still missed the sitter against Watford in the playoff final, so... Well, let's, let's run him down for that, definitely. <laughs> um, right, so the fascinating fact about Heidegger Johnson. I bet there's loads of fascinating facts, but the one that got sent to me by Carl was that all three of his sons are now professional footballers. Mm. So okay. we have Aaron, Andre and Daniel. Uh, Aaron has got 20 caps for Iceland. He plays for Elfsborg in Sweden. Um, Andre uh, played at Barcelona as a, as a youngster. He's now at Lingby in Denmark. He's got 18 caps for Iceland. Um, and Daniel, who's very young, he's, he's only 18, 19 years old. He's played at Barca and Real Madrid. He's now at Malmo at the moment. and He's playing under 19s football for Iceland. So there are three Good Johnsons out there. If I remember rightly, didn't Ida Good Johnson replace his dad once playing for, yes. for for Iceland? There's like a famous clip of him like running off and shaking his dad's hand um, and yeah. him coming on. When you said on the, the last time we did this, uh, we got G next week, I was going to say, if anyone sends in that Ida Good Johnson <laughs> came on for his dad, we all know it. But, but I didn't know about his sons, so... Yeah, that's uh, I like that, and that's good. Ida Good Johnson will always get an extra point on the Dacus Cogley scale, even if he just said his surname begins with G, he'd have got two. Um, but uh, I like that. I didn't know all of his sons play... I don't know if it's all of his sons, but three of his sons play football, so I'm going to give that an eight. Some mighty strong genes there, definitely. Um, and, and also, every time anybody says Ida Johnson, it reminds me of a guy that used to work in the office at the Bolton News who, whenever anybody said Heidegger Johnson, he would just pop up with Heidegger Johnson. Heidegger Johnson. And, and he'd, he'd say it in such a way that you could hear it from anywhere in the newsroom. If, if I said it, like, one end of the newsroom, uh, you know, Heidegger Johnson's playing today, you'd hear Heidegger Johnson. <laughs> I don't know. And now, to this day, I can't hear the word Heidegger Johnson without me saying Heidegger Johnson. So I'm carrying on the, the theme. It's a weird newspaper thing. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, a, it's one of those newspaper inside jokes that us, us muggles on the outside <laughs> that just read uh, just like uh, just yeah whatever but um, I had a good Johnson I, uh, yeah. I had a good Johnson just reminds me I had of, a good 
<laughs> there was a, a a meme a few years ago that was uh, you had good Johnson and then bad Johnson and bad Johnson was <laughs> Boris Johnson. So that made me laugh. <laughs> right, talking about making me laugh. Uh, emails always do. Let's have one. Is that Philip Marais? Very, very brief one this week because uh, I'm, I'm keeping a couple back for Christmas because we'll be doing a couple of um, Christmas pods uh, to keep you going through the festive period, of course. Um, but Alan sent in this uh, this one, which kind of ties in with this week's stuff. Jon Dadibadvarsen, he's an Icelander, of course, a legend in his own right. Um, he just said, hi, Mark, what was unique about Jon's last FA Cup hat trick? And he says this... And he sent me the link. So the link clicks through to 2018 January Gallery, posted by Reading. Um, Jon's last hat-trick was against Stevenage in the FA Cup. He absolutely loves the FA Cup. There's a great feature in the programme, by the way, if you can get hold of it, um, talking about watching uh, FA Cup uh, when he was a youngster. He really does love the competition. Um, But when Jon last scored a hat-trick for Reading against Stevenage, he did it wearing two different kits which must be a bit of a first, really. Um, apparently, at half-time, they got told the, cl- the, the kits were uh, clashing. Um, and so you've got these pictures of Jon in, like, home and away shirts scoring the goals. Interesting, huh? Oh. Uh, yeah, that, is, that would be quite high on the Dacus Cogler scale. I, I, I'd love to say I can see it, but the Reading website isn't loading for me, which is probably a, a perfect metaphor for... <laughs> What's going on with Reading at the moment? But um, it's dying. Yeah, that is yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, it's interesting. That's um, I, I I've never heard of that. I, I, it's, it's, I'm surprised because that surely should be a pub quiz question. I've never heard of that happening. I don't even remember at the time hearing about that. So mm. um, yeah, I, I did know he'd scored. He was the only Icelander to score an FA Cup hat trick before Saturday because they mentioned it on the highlights. Um, so uh, yeah, oh that's very good. And um, oh, oh wait, no, it's now it's loaded. Well done. Oh look at him. Look at look at Bod Bod Varson. Look, fresh faced Bod Varson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's only five years ago. But what it sparked a memory in mind. Alan's email sparked a memory for me as well. And that was that I remember Bolton having to lay, uh, to lend their kit to Sheffield Wednesday, and I didn't. I thought it was one of those that maybe I'd made up. <laughs> Sometimes, like these these weird things, just like kind of create themselves in your mind. But I put it out on Twitter this morning, and people backed me up. It was, it was in the mid nineties, nineteen ninety three, a Coca Cola Cup game, in fact, at Burnham Park. Um, Sheffield Wednesday turned up in a black kit at uh, at Bolton for uh, a Coca Cola Cup game. This is the Sheffield Wednesday team with like Chris Waddle and David Hurst and so, like some big hitters, Kevin Pressman. Um, but it was also in the days where referees wore black kits and they went out there and the referee says, now nah, you can't do this. You're going to have to change your kit. But they didn't bring their away kit. So actually, Sheffield Wednesday played against Bolton wearing Bolton's away kit, a yellow one from a couple of seasons earlier. Wow. Which, uh... that is a pub quiz question. Um, you may you may, you may, may phrase it something along the lines of, do you remember the time Chris Waddle played for Bolton? Um which that's as, like you, you know, know you're getting uh, testimonials you yeah. get the odd picture of someone i always uh, i know this weren't a testimonial but i always remember uh the 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 one of for bolton where is someone random wearing the kit was when alan smith 
you know, when Bolton relegated mm. Leeds mm. Uh, and Alan Smith <laughs> was in a Bolton shirt. But uh, yeah, there's loads, isn't there? So that, but and he, if anyone can find photos of it uh, or even a YouTube link to the the highlights or something from that game, then yeah. send it over. I'd love Defo. to do Defo. Um, and also, as I was trying to to find out about the Sheffield Wednesday one, Norwich also had to change their kit. Um, or, or actually, no, Norwich didn't have to change the kit. No, the story was that Norwich complained that Lofty the Lion was putting them off. So they yeah. came to the Reebok, complained that Lofty had a home shirt on, and then mistook him. How are you? How he got about a three foot head? How on earth yeah. are you mistaking him for a player? But anyway, Lofty had to change into his away kit. That was a good, that was the game where Stelios scored that really good goal, by the way. It was, yeah, I remember that. And I remember then afterwards, Lofty would always come out in the home kit uh, when like, when, when the players came out mm. and then he'd disappear for the first five minutes of the match when he'd put the away kit on. Uh, and so it's <laughs> for, it's only in the last 10 years, maybe, that Lofty has, has kept the white, uh, the white home kit on. Uh, during the game, he, he used to wear the away kit. I remember that. It must be a right bugger to pull over your head that one. I mean, can you imagine? It must take like a, a team of people to pull his kit over his head. Yeah, <laughs> can I, we just have I, a but quick change. <laughs> I'm, I am glad. I mean, obviously, you know, you you don't want to see anyone getting changed on the side of the pitch, let alone a big lion. But I think <laughs> that there'd be a part of me that would die a little bit if uh, we ever saw Lofty the Lion without a kit on, just <laughs> in the buff. Um, yeah. You know, if Bolton ever did a naked calendar, then maybe they could uh, they could have Lofty doing that. But yeah, I think there's. <laughs> it's like when um, I always remember when um, we. I think it was obviously the days where we were in financial trouble and about to go. And I remember Lofty turned up at Gig Lane uh, yeah. with um, what was it? Was it Robbie the Bobby? Robbie the Bobby. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically, the, the the you know Lofty, I think, was malnourished at the time. Uh, his suit wasn't uh, pumped up as much as it normally was, and he looked. He looked. If you can ever, if you find that picture where Lofty's wearing the training top outside Gig Lane, he looks very malnourished as the lion, and that that killed me a little bit inside. And it's nice to see that he's being fed now, um, and he, he looks his normal self. A bit like Scar in the Lion King. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's round this off with a few predictions. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yes, if anybody didn't know, we've got a big game on Monday night. Uh, so there's a bit more shelf life for this podcast. Um, Pompey, Pompey, the Pompey Chimes. I can't wait to hear the Pompey Chimes again, Henry. I, you know how much I love the Pompey Chimes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we all do. And, uh, you know... Last year, no, was it two years ago, we played uh, Portsmouth on Tuesday night. It was 1-1, mm. and I sat in the west stand lower, but towards the away fans. And for the first 10 minutes, I thought, brilliant, the guy with the bell hasn't come. He's not made it. <laughs> and then he just, he, he arrived, and he, 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 you know, and then that was it for the whole game. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a unique place, isn't it? I've never gotten to Fratton Park, and... Mm. Uh, it's definitely one I'd like to go to because uh, it's, it's yeah it's a unique place. I've been a well I've been several times. Uh, I remember going one one little story um, down for a pre-season friendly. Who organised a pre-season friendly in Portsmouth? Owen Coyle did is the answer to that. But uh, Pompey were really in the stuck financially, and they had about four players registered. 
um, to, the, to their squad and, and a load of trialists. It was a proper trialist game. And Bolton got absolutely battered. I think it was 3 0. Um, you know, with a fawn team. I think it was the year they dropped out of the Premier League. So maybe they were looking for just a little bit of, you know, a bit of an ego boost. But they got absolutely hammered. And it was 2012. It was because on the way back up, it was the Olympics. And there was a lot of the sailing events that were going on down there. So it was rammed trying to get back up on the train. And on the on the way back up, it was Super Saturday. It was the one where, uh, you know, Usain Bolt was running and, and Britain oh, won yeah. the three, three golds. And I remember one person with an iPad who could get a train, could get a decent Wi-Fi connection, and about a hundred people gathered round them on this table, like, or even like the, the train managers and the driver. It was like a, it was a runaway train for a while, while everybody was like round this one iPad cheering on the the British athletes. Um, yeah, that was that was my favourite memory of Fratton Park. I've got a lot of bad ones too, but hey, hmm. Marcus could tell you a thing or two about bad memories from Fratton Park. He got rugby tackled last season. <laughs> Fall of Marcus, yeah, by a steward. Yeah, he's 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 actually on holiday. He's not going back this week uh, for, for this game. So uh, yeah, I think I think he's quite glad about that. <laughs> oh, it's. Um, I mean, I mean, Marcus is uh, seems the most placid person in the world. I can't imagine why anyone would would want to rugby tackle him. Uh, well, I think he invaded the pitch with his little with his little toy. <laughs> and the steward didn't like it um, no I think he had one of these access all areas things and the steward was like no you're not going there and, then, and Marcus was like yeah I am and he ended up rugby tackling him but he was not happy oh that caused a right stink that did but uh, hey ho um, hopefully it's all smooth sailing this time around and uh, I mean they couldn't be going in better form there's no two ways about that but what is the strongest side for you You know, we're saying that Unlundaloo's not going to be available Hopefully he makes a miraculous recovery like bloody Cameron Jerome did the other day and got me in all sorts of flipping shtick with fans. Um, yeah. But never mind. <laughs> um, yes, let's just say no one Lundaloo, obviously no George Johnston, but what is Bolton's strongest team for you to go to Pompey? I think it's same again. You know, same as uh, the Oxford game mm. and the Exeter game. Um, you know, the defence, I think, at the moment speaks for itself. Wing-backs... Um, it's it's going to be a tighter pitch, so maybe that'll uh, come into play a little bit. But um, yeah, I think the midfield. I think Magoma's coming to his own, and he's you know even on on Tuesday, you know he's he's he, there's so much space around him. It's unbelievable at times. Dempsey finds space as well. Uh, Thomason's playing well. I think it's a game that we need a Thomason like yeah. uh, person in. Um, of what I remember last year, Portsmouth had. Probably a bit more grit about them at Fratton Park, and that's what got them the win in the end. Um, and yeah, up front is the the big talking point, but I don't see him changing it. I don't see him bringing Bod Varson in. He could do. It wouldn't surprise me if he did, but I think, um, you know, again, Adebayo probably offers a bit more in terms of physicality. I know there there is people who point out that sometimes his first touch isn't, isn't the best, but, um, you know, I think he will offer more in a physical sort of game, whereas, and then allow Dion to just do what Dion does. So, mm. yeah, I can't see him making any changes, to be honest, to the Oxford game. I mean, Rondell Williams has been struggling a little bit with his tendonitis or tendinopathy. Uh, does he play left wing back, do you think? Or does does Iredale fill in as he... He did play against Oxford, didn't he, Jack Iredale? 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he'll look and think it needs an Iredale, you know, yeah. a more defensive-minded, I guess, person. Um, so, yeah, maybe that has something, you know, something in it as well. So that could be the only change, actually. But other mm. than that, I think it, yeah, it'd be the same as. How much for Miss will Daniel and Blue be, do you think, in the end? Um, I mean, I... I don't want to be disrespectful, but... It, we, we I wouldn't start. I, I think it, we, we, we're quite no. confident in that. But I, I, it just appeals, appears to me that he, he has got something slightly different about him when you do when you do put him on. Maybe a little bit more physicality than, than even Bovarsen. Maybe, yeah. And, and, I mean, he's going to get... If he does play, he'll get some stick, won't he, with him? Oh, yeah. Farmer Southampton player. But, um, again, maybe that he has that in his head. Maybe he looks and thinks, well... Is that what Unlundalu needs at the moment? You know, if his confidence is on a knife edge, does he need uh, being booed? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's yeah. Without being disrespectful, I think with with that stacked in that area, and I, I, I think he may, given the opportunity, I think he may prefer to bring a Jerome on anyway. He's got a bit more experience, mm. and you know, who knows? I, I said. Um, it's like Kachunga at Accrington last year. These Sky games seem to bring out a story, and maybe it is that Jerome will finally score a goal for us in the league. Wow. I mean, you would get some very decent uh, odds, I would imagine, on that happening. <laughs> 37-year-old camera. But stranger things have happened. Um, has he played for Portsmouth? Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember if he's even played. I don't think he has, actually. Um, but, yes, uh, have you got a prediction? We, this is predictions, and it's surprising how many times we don't predict anything in predictions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go nil-nil. I think both teams... But if you offer both teams a draw right now, um, I think they'll both take it because, mm. you know, looking at the uh, league table, are we three points above Oxford, are we? I think uh, so, yeah. Are yeah. they in third? So... Um, so yeah, so I think they 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 may look and go, uh, uh, yeah, with three points above Oxford, three points above Stevenage. So it's gonna be with our goal difference. It'll be first v second on Monday anyway, um, unless Oxford score a hatful. But they're playing Peterborough, they so I don't suppose they yeah. will. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think both teams, both teams are quietly probably take the draw and you you move on them. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I think I think a draw. I think a draw. I'm. I want to say nil-nil, but I don't want to just copy yours. So I'll say one-one. <laughs> um, but I do feel I don't feel that nervous. Normally, I'd be looking at this sort of game as I said before and thinking, uh, yeah, I, I, I just steal, prepare yourself for the fact that it's going to be a crappy week afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a, I, I'm sure supporters that have, have been there through thick and thin through Bolton feel it in a different way. But I look at it like your next week is going to be hell. <laughs> both on social media and in terms of dealing with the club because no football club is fun to deal with when they're losing games or have lost a game. Um, no. So that's always what I kind of think about. But yeah, I, I am going there thinking, yeah, it's going to be good this because TV game, you know, there'll be a lot to talk about after the game. I think Bolton will avoid defeat and they might just nick it. I fancy Dion Charles or an Aaron Morley, one of those guys that always seems to do well on the telly just to nick it yeah. maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be a good game. Uh, yeah, hopefully we we don't lose. But uh, this is it. As I said before, it's not. If we do lose, it's not the end of the world. We've seen we were what ten points behind Portsmouth in October, and we clawed it back and got above them. And they've now got a game and played the game more. So yeah, I think if we lose, it's no, it's not. It's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. 
Well, let's let's start on a, uh, let's finish on a slightly more upbeat note. Uh, Bolton are going to win. Let's go for it. Let's go for yeah. it. Uh, shove the ch- Pompey chimes up. Do you know the guy, the, the famous Pompey guy that's that's always ringing them bells and he's all tattooed and all that? He's actually um, a guy who runs a bookshop. His name's John. Is he? Yeah. Oh, it's, right. It's a bit, uh, a bit boring, that, really, considering. And you think he's some sort of, like, druid or something like that, maybe. But, uh, no, he just runs a bookshop. He's quite an intelligent guy. Yeah, well, well <laughs> we do say that maybe the... Uh, the most mundane the people in mundane jobs they need to get the kick somewhere don't they so <laughs> yes indeed right okay well thank you very much for joining us once again for the buff podcast episode 201 we're into the the third century um and uh, getting towards christmas as well uh so hopefully you join us again next friday for what we hope will be a win at pompey and to look forward to the real christmas rush thank you very much uh, i have been mark isles and i've been henry hewitt and this has been the buff yeah